Hello, I'm Katie Wilcox, Business Administrator at Society for the Environment, and I am delighted to welcome you to a special episode in our podcast series, Interviews with Environmental Professionals. In the UK and beyond, the Society for the Environment champions World Environment Day, a UN initiative which takes place on the 5th of June each year. The initiative provides a platform for global education and inspiration, shining attention on a particularly pressing environmental theme. This year, the global theme for World Environment Day is biodiversity, a topic chartered environmentalists agree is hugely important for the environment, both currently and working to the future. Why not check out our recently launched biodiversity website hub, developed in collaboration with key partners? Here you will find tons of resources and inspirational ideas on how you can help to protect and enhance the biodiversity that we all live amongst. We're looking for actions large and small, They all make a really positive difference. To get involved today, visit socenv.org.uk forward slash biodiversity 2020. To kick things off, I am pleased to introduce Dougal Driver, CMV, Vice Chair for the Society for the Environment, who will be conducting this month's interview. Dougal is a Chartered Environmentalist via the Institute of Chartered Foresters. Amongst his many roles, he is Chief Executive of Grown in Britain focusing on supporting our homegrown forest product supply chains. He also chairs several forestry committees, advice ministers, wildlife trusts and private companies on organisational and environmental strategies. In addition, Dougal is the World Environment Day lead at the Society, which makes him the ideal chair for this special episode of the podcast. I am also delighted to introduce today's interviewee, Caroline Drummond, MBE, Honour C, CMV. Caroline is a Chartered Environmentalist via the Institute of Agricultural Management, and she has been running LEAF, linking environment and farming, since 1991. Her work focuses on encouraging more sustainable farming practices and building better public trust and understanding of farming, food, health and the environment, values that she is personally extremely passionate about. She is actively involved in many industry partnerships and initiatives in the UK and Europe. In 2014, she was awarded Honorary Fellowship of the Society, and in 2019, she was recognised as one of WEF's Women of the Decade for her contribution to sustainable agriculture. Most recently, Caroline was awarded the Farmers Weekly Lifetime Achievement Award. So I'd love to say a big welcome to Dougal and Caroline. I will now hand over to Dougal for the interview. Thanks, Katie. And it's great to speak to Caroline today fascinated by her career and we're going to hear about her life into the environmental sector and what she feels about being a chartered environmentalist and also her hopes and fears for the future. So Caroline, um, I'd just be really interested to know sort of what got you into an environmental career in the first place. Well, uh, thank you, Dougal, and, and, and hello, and great to be speaking with you as well. So, um, I guess from an environmental perspective, where I started off my career, I was originally uh, very much waterborne. In fact, I was even christened in a diving helmet. My father was a a deep sea diver for the Navy. And uh, it was actually when I had mumps, when I was very young, I was sent over to my grandparents in the Isle of Wight and was very taken by some of the challenges in the livestock because it was time of foot and mouth. And um, that really rung true to me in terms of seeing a lot of cattle just suddenly disappear. And I always thought, gosh, I'm going to be a vet when I grow up. 
And actually, uh, as I progressed, one, I didn't meet the requirements for getting into veterinary college, but actually I started working on farms and uh, did a degree in agriculture, which quite honestly has just been brilliant. For me, I have worked on a range of farms, livestock farms, done lambing. Actually, I even worked in Barbados doing sugarcane research and, uh, and of course, driving tractors. And that practical element uh, has sort of set me up for a career that has gone from the importance of farming, but actually how close to nature uh, agriculture is with soil, biodiversity, of course, water and, and air quality increasingly. So uh, I was uh, an unusual journey, but uh, something that, gosh, has sort of laid the steps and the foundations for an industry and a sector uh, that I'm incredibly passionate about. You, you mentioned um, foot and mouth there and the, 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 the sort of crisis of that time. Um, and you can probably relate to that with the, the language we use today around climate emergency. And World Environment Day's focus of this year is on biodiversity. But that's set in the context of um, what many consider to be a global climate emergency. Exactly. And I, and I, I think... The difference and one of our biggest challenges around climate emergencies is the fact that um, when we've had livestock challenges around foot and mouth, and in fact, obviously, you know, the challenges that we're facing now with coronavirus, these are huge shocks to the system. They're very immediate. They're very in your face. And I think this is the one big challenge around climate change is there may be a few extreme weather instances we have. But actually, we don't get that same extreme as perhaps, in fact, because it's obviously World Environment Day, there are many other countries where they do. And we are seeing that sort of become more common. And, and so that is what is starting to shake people up to realise this impacts our lives. And we so require that interdependency with the environment. Yeah, it's... Um... Some things are very obvious, aren't they, in climate change? You know, we don't have any snow anymore in, in southern England or the frosts are, are so much you know, earlier, perhaps springs springing a little bit earlier, et cetera, et cetera. But your life has been connected to the soil, to the earth, and it's, it's, it's a bit of a hidden thing for obvious uh, practical reasons. It's below our feet and not, not often experienced, whereas air quality affects somebody's breathing, for instance. But in terms of this climate crisis, is there a risk that we, we forget the fundamentals as, as these global events hit us? Do we sometimes forget that things like soil health are just underpinning everything? Oh, uh, I couldn't agree more. And soil is just incredible. I mean, we know a lot about the, 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 the chemistry of soil, you know, the nitrogen, the phosphorus, the potassium, the minerals in it, and of course, pH. But actually, we are only now starting to really get to grips and get to understand some of the biology behind it. And uh, gosh, it's exciting. Um, and you're right, we don't see it. We take soil often as dirt or mud, something like that. So from that point of view, it is realizing that, you know, beneath our feet all the time is a wealth of life and activity going on. Uh, I think the, the equivalent of the bacteria and fungi and, protozoa that carry on activating beneath our feet is more life than there is actually human beings on earth ever. So soil health is just 
critical. And yeah, we see that now reflecting more, the more we understand, the more we understand about the soil biology, the more that we can reflect that in how we grow our crops. And of course, that then is further reflected in our own health when we eat those crops and or our livestock eat the grass and things like that. And one of my favorite facts is we're only 10% human because in fact, 90% of the DNA within us lies in our stomach, all the activity in the DNA in there. We, well, I'm, I think I might use that one myself. I, I, <laughs> I think I've been considered only 10% human, but not because of the bacteria in my, in my gut. The public good side of soil quality is being recognised now in the UK. I believe it's coming through in the new agriculture bill and the importance you've made very clear. You and I both work in the certification field, myself with Growing in Britain and yourself with LEAF. There's some criticism attached to farmers um, and landowners, uh, land users around soil erosion and the de degradation of soils, and yet you, you express that huge, huge role it has. Can you just go a little bit into how LEAF and, and LEAF certificate holders you know, are on the right side of that soil management um, curve. Yeah, so LEAF as an organisation has been going now for 30 years. I've been running the organisation since it started. And, you know, soil was starting to be a core part of the discussion. But as you say, you know, the real spotlight is on biodiversity and, of course, on, on soil as well. Um, we're seeing the farmers that we work are are really can-do farmers. You know, I'm so proud of how they really approach some of the big challenges. And, and it's hard to manage a soil against extreme weather conditions of extreme drought or extreme rainfall. And uh, there has been such a lot of work gone into what is known as zero tillage and min till, uh, regenerative agriculture, conservation agriculture, which is a fundamental part of the approach that we take through integrated farm management, a whole farm approach where farmers look at each part of the decision-making process that they have on farm. And alongside this improvement in tillage, of course, is supplementary growth of ensuring that the land is covered as much as possible. So bringing in cover crops, bringing in dual cropping and, and catch cropping, which again is something that's, you know, really important. And every decision, though, that a farmer makes has a decision or an impact somewhere else in a decision they make, whether it be financially, whether it be on the biodiversity, whether it be on crop rotation, on the disease spectrum that, far, that the farm or the crops will be uh, experiencing. And that's both good and bad. And because farmers work with nature, um, you know, for them, it is such an important part of their everyday decision. And, and we are certainly seeing that reflected in the growers that we have that are LeafMark certified. They are really looking at upping the ante in terms of improved soil management, improved soil health, and of course, improved habitats and biodiversity being a very key driver to the work that they're doing. Yeah. I mean, the theme, as I've mentioned before, for World Environment Day 2020 is, is, is biodiversity. Mm. Um, are you hopeful that you'll be able to inspire, motivate and engage with uh, farmers to not only celebrate World Environment Day, but perhaps even push on with their 
their um, efforts to to support and, and enhance biodiversity on, on their farms? Definitely. A lot of work has happened um, really over the last sort of 18 to 20 years through the support payment mechanisms of, of government. ELS, the entry level schemes here in the UK and, and the high level schemes are um, have actually really started to lay the foundations for some good habitat creation in the enhancement of habitats. And in addition to that, there's been a huge amount of research um, that has been very focused on improved habitat creation to try and look at that integration. Of course, it's not enough. And um, what's great is um, we have a network of demonstration farms who are really inspiring uh, farmers. And farmers learn from other farmers. And it's when somebody, you know, it's like with anything, if you can relate to it, you kind of think, yeah, no, I can do that. And what's great yeah. with demonstration farm activities is we, you know, out on farm or now increasingly, you know, through videos and, and social media, actually what we are seeing is farmers looking at something and thinking, yeah, no, I could adapt that or I could experiment with that and then taking it back. And of course, the great thing with, um, with farming, it touches every sense. And one of those wonderful senses, of course, is sound. And, uh, you know, this spring, it has been just amazing. The bird life, of course, yeah. I'm very lucky. I'm, I'm married to a dairy farmer. Um, but uh, yes, I mean, it is all amplified. And farmers, every farmer, and I, you know, I would challenge you, uh, Dougal, with finding me a farmer that doesn't have a special place on their farm. And that special place will often be because there is a fantastic and unique habitat. It's it is shrouded in wonderful biodiversity and actually is, is part of a core part of their business in terms of whether it's for their livestock or whether it's for their crops. I accept your challenge and because in the world I mainly work in, in forestry, the perception from people outside is, is one thing and the reality is often very different. I think that links to the fact that we in these land use sectors, such as farming and forestry, we probably need to tell our story a little bit better. But we're up against some quite high level strategic ambitions and objectives of society and particularly government where the economy and productivity seem to be everything. And if we think about gross domestic product, it's, it's really a financial measure on how businesses are growing and economically growing. We don't seem to build in these other factors, these other values to life, uh, the planet and, and us as humans. What do you think about that? I, I mean, I, I have a view that we, we need to look at that, but sometimes it feels you're throwing stones into a pond that really doesn't understand what we're, we're saying and possibly sort of dismisses our arguments. Yes, and, and you're, you're quite right. And uh, uh, in fact, we don't live very far from Totnes, which is a transition town where they kind of have moved away from some of the economy uh, in terms of having the Totnes pound uh, as a transition town. Um, but I, I could not agree more. And I think uh, for us, that three-pronged approach for sustainability of society, environment, and uh, economics is something that is very key. It's been the values that have been shrouded with the ethos that we have at LEAF, but we still measure everything through uh, economics. And we do need to start driving some more meaningful metrics in terms of 
uh, those values around the environment and of course social well-being. Um, I, I, I think uh, those whole areas in terms of what that could look like, we're starting to see some of the big auditing companies and accountancy firms actually having parallel um, audited approaches at the end of the financial year. Uh, and I hope that this will actually be still driving. And of course, we have the sustainable development goals and you know, government are being uh, measured against the delivery of those SDGs. Uh, and we have, you know, we've got to be delivering them by 2030. So actually, in order to do that, it's going to be so critical to have very strong sustainability goals and, and <laughs> metrics that are, that are meaningful. I have a sense with COP26, and we also have an environment bill, agriculture bill, and other things. Uh, there's a, a tree strategy. These things are coming through over the next period, which um, I believe will be pointing towards some change here. I, I, I wonder whether we'll go far enough for the likes of myself and yourself and, and, and members of the Society for the Environment. Do you feel we need to be a bit more assertive with how we tell our story? Would that be a way forward to level up the playing field? I think so, but it's it's like with anything. It's um, sometimes I'll, I'll write an article and my, my husband will read it and he'll say, "What are you saying?" And I'll tell him what I'm saying. And he said, "Why haven't you written that?" And um, it's a bit mean, but you know, he is my husband, so that's fine. It actually tells me that often we don't know as individuals what do you want me to do different. What am I doing wrong? And so until people can actually grasp that uh, and that it's easy and that they can adopt it with their everyday life, it's very, very difficult to make changes. And I think, uh, you know, we've had lockdown here in the UK for uh, quite a few weeks now. So everyone coming out of lockdown across the world will have new habits. In addition to that, they will have new values, new thoughts. And one of the biggest Things is seeing the fact that with no travel and no aeroplanes uh, or very few aeroplanes, we have seen a real improvement in our emissions, in the reduction of our emissions. And so actually, um, we might change and people might fundamentally start thinking, golly, uh, this is a wake up call. This is not a dress rehearsal. This is a real opportunity to make a fundamental change. So. I think if we are clear in terms of what is actually what we want people to do differently, then as a result of that, then people will respond to that. You know, this works with us, you know, how we work with farmers, leaf mark certification is very clear as I'm sure yours will be in terms of setting out, these are the practices that we are looking that will deliver an impact and an outcome of improved environment. You know, it is that clarity that helps and support people on what do you want me to do differently? You, you're an honorary uh, fellow of the Society of the Environment. But as I listen to you there, it feels to me that chartered environmentalists have a huge role to play here mm. in, in articulating, as you've done there, to others. Where, where do you see the value of, of chartered environmentalists in this, in this area? So I, I think the, the great thing about being a chartered environmentalist is that it's a common language of people who have a shared interest in, in this whole area of the environment. And it is in so many different formats. Uh, the environment does touch everybody's lives. And sometimes people forget that if they don't see nature. 
uh, they forget that actually even the food they eat has you know come through and been delivered with the help and support of nature and so I think the great thing about being a chartered environmentalist is that common language and that common value of um, really respecting the environment knowing how we can support and deliver an improved environment against the, rob the jobs that we do in our different places. Yes, absolutely. I, I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. Do you think there's more we could do to to raise the status? I think it can. It connects to what we were just talking about in terms of that sort of global strategic GDP measure. But um, if if I think back to when I was talking to to careers advisors so many many decades ago. Uh, the lawyers, the vets, the doctors were were esteemed careers, and the idea of going into some form of land use or environmental career was was arguably less so. Do you, do you think that's different today? Do you think the status of professional chartered environmentalists, you know, ranks alongside these these other professions? Because if not, then that has an implication for the change we want to make happen. Mm. I don't think we're there yet, uh, but I think you raise a very important issue. I think for the next generation, the younger generation, inspired by the need to do something in a climate emergency, uh, the focus of the environment has gone right up to the forefront. But I think perhaps the professionalism around it has not been recognised as yet. And I agree, yes, there's a lot more we could do. And... Uh, you know this this you know the conversation that you know that you and I are having now is something that I just think yeah actually you've got a, you've got a really very important point and I, I you know for us as an organisation we uh, do a lot of public engagement we do a thing called Open Farm Sunday well Open Farm Sunday of course has been a brilliant opportunity to engage everybody and to discover more principally about the spirit behind their food but of course nature and and where there's woodlands on farm as well. Uh, each year, we have some quarter of a million people go out onto farm. Uh, it's been a fantastic day. It's very much a light touch, uh, but it really does inspire people. And it actually provides an opportunity for farmers to, to demonstrate what they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. This year, of course, it's going to be slightly different. Uh, we've currently postponed uh, Open Farm Sunday to uh, the end of September. So it was due to be the 7th of June. We will still be holding a, a day through social media where farmers will be taking over our Facebook uh, and saying what they're doing out on farm at the moment. But in addition to that, we are also doing Farming Fortnight. Uh, we've got some fantastic opportunities there. Uh, every day's got a little bit of a hashtag, right from whether it be hashtag Woolly Wednesday or Feather Friday, which is in fact World Environment Day, uh, all about chickens, <laughs> for us anyway, um, on that day. Uh, but one I think you'd particularly like, Dougal, is hashtag Welly Wednesday, and that's all about woodlands. Excellent. No, it, it sounds exciting, and, and I'm going to definitely engage with that. And the fact that you've got your fortnights sort of in, in enveloping World Environment Day is, is, is wonderful, wonderful. Very much so, very, very much so. I suspect, and you might correct me, that when those visits happen onto the farms, the focus is not purely on the economy. It is very much about nature. Oh, definitely. It is a, it's a light touch, and uh, we make no bones about that. It is an introduction to agriculture, because 
uh, and farming and nature. Uh, and I think that's principally because a lot of people are not, uh, you know, not in the same privileged situation that, you know, you or I are in terms of the connection directly with nature through our work. And yeah. um, one of the things, though, increasingly that we're working on is is actually in education itself. Um, so with our leaf education piece, uh, we work with some 31 different charities, actually, uh, to create resources. Um, and we all work in different ways to engage with schools, uh, teachers, with curriculum focused and curriculum rich material to make farming come alive through physics and biology or French or history or English and um, you know if again um, my as I you know when we started our conversation Dougal I wasn't in farming and I love agriculture I love farming I believe in it I respect farmers and uh, I value uh, my food and that was an experience that I had as a very young child that really created the awakening for a, a lifelong learning experience and love. Um, and I think, you know, as we touch people at different times of their lives through different experiences and really sensory rich experiences that you get for agriculture, then, then that in itself is something that casts the spell. Well, I mean, even though you, you, you started LEAF and have been in this sector for a little while, the passion is still there and there's, uh, it feels like you're, you're, you, there's so much more to do uh, in your mind. I'm going to sort of round off here with some, some hopes and fears for the, for the future. It, it does feel, as you've said, a, a bit of a moment in time because of world events. Uh, it feels... Uh, one of those one of those times people may look back on um, perhaps um, not favorably for some but let's let's just think about the environment and take your fears first so we can end end on a, on a high note but let's what what are your fears and worries about the situation we're in at the moment and what may or may not happen so I guess my my biggest fear is that um, you know we kind of get released from uh, this experience uh, and we forget and we just think hey yo I can go on holiday everywhere I can go shopping and uh, I can drive my car all over the place and we don't actually think this has fundamentally changed my life uh, it's been really hard for everybody in so many ways but the values are different and I, I think you know that is my one of my sort of fears of us as society as a whole I think there are some huge concerns from the policy and political arena in that we are going to be moving into huge debts uh, the global governance situation is going to be very complicated and you know you see the range of support mechanisms the protectionism type approach um, the stockpiling of food in, in various countries, all of which have a huge, huge impact in terms of where we had some, some really good values on a governance process. And, you know, I, I cite the Sustainable Development Goals as a very good example of a, a common value across the world to make a difference. And, you know, with the Millennium Development Goals, you know, they were really starting to bite in some very good ways. Yeah. Yeah. And 
and we got some very good successes. And obviously the sustainable development goals have been hugely disrupted by that. And, and if with the financial pressures on government and the worry and the political nature associated with that, we lose sight of some of those broader global aspects, I think that would be a, a real challenge. I, I've had a few conversations with people asking this question generally, and, and, and surprisingly, some came back and said, I think you should be worried because some people will react to this by, um, you, you mentioned the word protectionism, but in their own lives, that might be, I'm going to make as much money as I can as quickly as I can so that I'm not economically affected if this happens again, mm. sort of greed side of things. And that going back to our arguments about GDP and how that's measured, did you get a sense of that as you're talking to people that some some might actually go the other way? Um, I guess uh, my my conversations have been principally in the farming space and um, uh, no, I think uh, there is that sense of the need to be producing and the need to be mindful that actually how we maintain and build our capability to be productive and support um, the UK and you know others across the globe is something that's still really, really important. Um, but I guess from that point of view, um, I, I'm not in the, the space where some of those discussions might be had. I imagine resilience is an, is, is something that is is a better way of describing the people that you connect with, that, that this ability to be resilient and, and get through these things. And that is about probably ever more focus on, on, on the business. Uh, we are entering a world where my hopes are that the incentives for farmers are there now to do the right thing across the piece, which um, you mentioned the environmental land management scheme coming coming forward. So mm. everybody needs the structures and mechanisms in order to, to do the right thing in, in this space where public benefit is required. Well, that's really, really positive. And I agree with you. I'm, I'm incredibly positive about that. We have the causal millennials starting to have much more influence and um, I, I'm, I'm very hopeful about the future. But what are, what are your hopes? Um, what does the world look like in your best case scenario in, in, in a few years time? My, my real hopes are that actually we can, uh, I'm just picking up on your word, you know, resilience is absolutely core. Um, we're just sort of drawing up together our thoughts for taking leaf forward over the next 10 years. And, uh, you know, we will be 30 in 2021, we will be 40 in 2031. And um, I think resilience, our capability to be responsive and to actually adapt through better knowledge and innovation are going to be very key. In farming, there's been a huge amount of innovation and technology, not only sort of over the last sort of 40, 50 years, but in addition to that, uh, a real concentration of some brilliant technology and innovation in the last five to ten years uh, with much more um, precise knowledge intense approaches and diagnostics and things like that. I think we haven't really exploited the opportunity for um, digging up the environment and biodiversity using that technology and using some yeah. interesting technology and so I've got some huge hopes for that. And in particular, um, I think, you know, there is a vast 
um, need for uh, carbon net zero type approaches. And so from that perspective, I think innovation is going to be very key. And my hope is that actually, fundamentally, people are good. And I'm very optimistic about that. And so I think, you know, the shock of all of this will create a situation where people totally reappraise um, their lives and, and the fact that money is one of a set of values of what you need and you don't need, you know, sort of the, the vast amounts of millions and billions that some people have, but actually real health and wealth is actually through environment and a healthy society. Yeah, I, I really like what you're saying there, and it's a it's a great positive note to finish on. And, and I I'd like to pick up and, and highlight the the technology side as well because I think for future generations they will understand technology a little bit better than perhaps perhaps we did. And there is a bit of a hidden gem there in the land use sector and particularly farming, where there's some amazing robotics and use of lasers and the, the sort of G, GPS satellite technology that. Uh, as you alluded to around precision farming. And I think it's in incredibly exciting. And, and when that's delivering biodiversity uh, as well as sustainable production of food, which we feed ourselves and our children with, the connectivity opportunity is is massive. And um, I think, therefore, there's a, a big space around that we can move much more into and own as chartered environmentalists across the piece because it, it all joins up. So... I'd just like to round off by saying thank you so much, Caroline, for sharing um, where you started and all the way through to where, where we hope to be in the future. And um, we will um, celebrate World Environment Day and biodiversity together, I'm sure, and um, hopefully inspire future generations. Thank you very much for your time. No, well, thank you very much, Dougal. Great to speak to you. Thank you. If you're curious to hear more about the CM or RM Tech Registers, please take a look at our How to Become and Why Become recorded webinars on our website, socenv.org.uk forward slash webinars, or visit our YouTube channel, Society for the Environment, where they are available alongside our fascinating webinar series on a variety of topics, including climate change and a sustainable built environment. Remember to like and subscribe. To keep updated on all of our latest news, you can sign up to receive emails from us, including our bi-monthly e-newsletter via socenv.org.uk forward slash newsletter. You can also follow us on Twitter at socenv underscore HQ and on LinkedIn as Society for the Environment. For the last year, we have released our podcast on the first Wednesday of each month. Following a short break this summer, we will return with more fascinating interviews with environmental professionals. If you're interested in hearing our future podcasts, please subscribe to hear more from us. You can subscribe and review through most podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher. The choice is yours. Until next time, goodbye.